If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew today. Actually, Matthew 6. Um, we're going to continue there. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer this morning. Uh, it seems to be, prayer seems to be a universal instinct. People all over the world, uh, in all different walks of life and different faiths, it just seems to be a thing that humans know to do. I, I, I'd argue that you're kind of programmed, right? That you're wired to know that there's something bigger than you, right? It's something that needs to, even if it's not something that we need, sometimes we feel grateful and who do we thank, right? So this, this, this feeling of the need to pray is universal. Uh, but biblical prayer is a little bit different, right? So biblical prayer actually arises, it comes from faith. Uh, it's something, it's a, it's a response to faith. It's something that faith builds up inside of us. Uh, faith produces prayer, uh, which means that a lack of prayer uh, not only reveals a lack of faith, but also a lack of prayer will slowly erode what little faith there is left. Does that make sense? Like, we, we need prayer. It, 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 flows, uh, it flows from faith and also strengthens our faith. So, uh, we have been walking through Matthew. Uh, the Lord's Prayer appears twice in the Bible, right? Uh, Luke tells us, uh, um, this Luke the physician, he tells us about a time that Jesus was uh, walking along and his disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. And he gives us these words. They're similar. They're a little bit different, but with the same intent to teach how to pray. And so this is Matthew telling us, Matthew the tax collector, telling us how Jesus, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, actually in the middle of the middle section, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we find the Lord's Prayer. And he's been talking about how we don't perform our righteousness by our giving. We don't want people to, we don't do it so people will see that. We do it so God will see us. Uh, we don't care for others so that others will take note of our good works and praise us. And we don't pray so that people will see us and make a big deal. We do this in, in, in quiet. And so he's been telling us how to pray uh, and, and or sorry, how to do these things. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this, he says, like, this is how you pray. Um, uh, we're going to spend a few weeks here uh, looking at this prayer just because it's just, it's just so important, right? It's famous. Um, I heard one guy say, and I've, I've been thinking about it ever since, uh, that these might be the words most often said in the history of time. I was like, I, I think about that. I was like, I started thinking of something else that might have been said more, and the closest I could get was Roll Tide. Uh, but other than that, like, I, I, I couldn't, like, I, you know, uh, yeah, the church has been saying this for thousands of years all over the world, right? Like these, and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good point. So it's, it's pretty famous, which sometimes leads to um, an unhelpful, un- unhelpful familiarity, yeah? So we're going to spend some time uh, with why this is so beautiful. It's incredibly famous. It's incredibly important. Um, you, uh, you begin here, but you never outgrow it. Uh, there's a phrase. Uh, actually, it was said about something else, but uh, Augustine said, um, and it applies here as well, uh, that it is shallow enough for a child to swim in and not drown, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in, right? Something we begin in, but we never outgrow is the Lord's Prayer and, and, and prayer in general, and this is such an amazing, amazing, important thing for us to know. Uh, it's important for us to knowing uh, in, in, in several ways. One, it's important for knowing what we believe. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is just, it's just so, you know what? Um, it's so brief, a child can memorize it, but um, it's such an amazing summary of the gospel. Uh, this uh, uh, African theologian in the second century said that it's an amazing summary of the gospel, Tertullian, and I agree with that. Uh, J.I. Packer, uh, he died uh, just a few years ago, uh, great, great uh, author. He, he said it's a key to understanding the whole business of living. 
Um, you begin here, I'm uh, sorry, uh, what it means to be a Christian is nowhere clearer than here. So it's not just a thing that we pray, magic words or anything out to listen to us. It's, it's, also, it's also just really instructive. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, if we're going to have two uh, syllabuses, syllabi, syllabuses, I've heard it both ways. Uh, if we're going to have two uh, guides for how we're going to teach, uh, I would pick the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And these are the foundations that we build all of what we teach, what we believe uh, as Christians there. It's just that important. It's this kingdom prayer that we learn about what God is like and what he's doing. We learn about who we are and what he would have us do. Uh, And so we rely on this to teach each others, but also we return to it ourselves so that um, we're reminded uh, how critical it is that we understand uh, who he is. Um, it's also important, not just for teaching, it's important uh, for bringing the kingdom into our lives, right? Jesus has been going around teaching about uh, what the kingdom is like, and then he gives us this prayer in this middle of the sermon about what the kingdom is like. This is Jesus' vision for what it means to bring that kingdom to how to access God's power, the spirit inside of us, to make this kingdom real in our hearts and in our lives and then around us and then in the world, yeah? So this is, what, this is how we lay hold uh, uh, of the, the power of God to make change in our own selves. Uh, there's this quote, uh, I don't know who this guy is, but I found this quote when I was uh, doing study, studying. He said, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. He says that the Lord's Prayer uh, acknowledges the injustice is an acknowledgement of the injustice, hunger, and evil of this broken world. It's a statement of faith, a call to worship, a battle cry. It's a bold pleading for divine glory, social renewal, and heaven on earth transformation. And thus, the Lord's Prayer is not just meant to be prayed, it's meant to be lived. If we pray the prayer honestly, we'll be moved to embrace childlike dependence, wholehearted worship, love for one another, and participation in God's mission. That's all in these few words that children are taught. Like, all of that is packed in there. Uh, we must learn this. We must be about praying this prayer. We must be about teaching the truths that lie behind this prayer to everyone. Um, it's a gift, too. So the way it's, let's, let's read it. Uh, Matthew, I haven't even read it yet. Whew. Just assumed you guys knew it. Let's read it together. It's amazing. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. So this starts uh, in Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 9. Uh, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Right before this, Jesus actually starts with how not to pray. Don't pray for attention, and don't pray with a bunch of words thinking that you need to summon up God. And then he says, this is how you do pray. Uh, and uh, it's kind of structured in two parts, right? Like you have the, uh, you, you can hear him, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom be done, uh, uh, sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the asking, give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation. There's these two halves. It begins with this praising of God, who he is, and calling on him, and adoring him, worshiping him, and then it moves to our needs. So uh, this prayer is, uh, I really think, is a template for our entire prayer life. Uh, It's not the only prayer 
that we pray, the only way we pray, but it is a template for the primary, primary habitual way we pray. Uh, I sent it to you this week in the emails. If you're getting emails, I sent you the PDF of, of this. But uh, uh, this is my copy of uh, Luther's uh, A Simple Way to Pray. I love it so much. Um, one of the reasons I love it so much is because of, of what it is. Uh, it's it's uh, for, his, for his barber, Pete. Peter asked him how to pray one day when he's getting a shave, and he wrote him this book. Isn't that a gift to us? Uh, anyway, it's a simple way to pray. And, and in this, uh, this is, I, just, I noticed this when I picked it up. This was a gift from uh, my buddy Wade back in 2002. Yeah, 21 years old. Borderline antique. Uh, 21 years old. Uh, uh, but anyway, so this, this my copy is uh, chewed up by a dog, apparently. And, uh, but anyway, uh, in this, he talks about how the, the Lord's Prayer, how he uses it, and then the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed, as a template for how he prays every single day. He uses it as a guide. It's not that we just pray these words exactly. It's that this is the format that we can follow all the way through our lives on how we pray. So not only is it a template to how to pray, but it's also how we change. I don't know if you've noticed, but changing is hard. Um, Changing is just really, really difficult. We need something outside of ourselves to change in a significant way. For the wounds that we have to be healed for the things that we've done to be forgiven, to, to be different. It's, we have to be changed at this, this fundamental level. And so when we accept Christ, when we begin follow, become followers of Jesus by faith, and the Spirit, uh, God says the Spirit, it gives us a new heart and takes up residence in our lives in this amazing way. Uh, what happens as we, as we change is, uh, or sorry, as we, as we grow in this faith is we need ways to lay hold of and understand this faith that we've been following, this Jesus that we've been following, and to make these truths real, deep in our hearts. And so it's the Holy Spirit with God in prayer that these truths, right? It's not just the words, it's the truth behind them that changes us. So um, let's talk about prayer. So uh, if you think, if you were like me and most Christians that I know, um, prayer is uh, mysterious and difficult. Right? Like it's just it's mysterious and difficult. And um, if you think that, with me, uh, you're in good company. Uh, I, 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 some of the best people, some of the greatest prayers ever, have uh, go off into just long lives of prayer. And I think that their life, they'll say, yeah, it's mysterious and difficult. And it doesn't seem like it pays off all the way, right at first, always. Uh, like, it's just a, a thing. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul, <laughs> Paul, who, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, uh, Paul said the same thing. He said in Romans 8, he said, uh, likewise, the Spirit helps us in weakness. We don't know what we're, well, we don't pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Paul said, yeah, this is a, this is a weird thing to, to pray. Like, it's like, uh, we're so bad at it, it's a good thing that God's given us a Spirit to help us sort it out. We just left to our own devices, we wouldn't pray the way that we should, so he's given us his Spirit. Prayer is daunting, um, but you should also be encouraged that you're not alone when you think that it's daunting, right? Be encouraged that you're not by yourself, but it's also essential, right? It's necessary. We need this, and we need it to grow. We need it for life, and it is so, so beautiful. So um, how do we begin in prayer, right? I think it's a question. Not just what do we pray, what words do we say, but how do I even start? How do I even get there? I think the answer for most of us, most of the time, the way that we start prayer uh, is uh, when we've gotten ourselves into a situation. 
right? Like we, we find ourselves in a situation. Uh, 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 somebody sent me, the, I don't know who it was. I hate that the, these things help me. Uh, but uh, a meme, I can't remember who sent, me, sent it to me. But it was just a picture of somebody's wrist with a friendship bracelet on it. Uh, and uh, it said, uh, most people out there are wearing their WWJD bracelets. You know, what would Jesus do? So most people out there are wearing their WWJD bracelets. But I'm here sporting my, Jesus probably would not have gotten himself into this situation in the first place bracelet. It made me laugh harder than it should have because it's dumb and it's cheesy, I know. But I just, I just got tickled. I'm like, yeah. Like so many times, like, what would Jesus do? I'm like, Jesus would not have been here. Like, this is not, you know, uh, how, how, what do I do now, you know? And so I, we, sometimes we get ourselves in these situations like, well, I guess I better pray because I've gotten myself into a spot. And then other times we find ourselves going to God in prayer because of, you know, just things have happened in life. Not that we did, but just life becomes hard. Hunger, injustice, all of these things that happen in the world, we find ourselves in a place of need. And so we go to God in prayer. That's the starting place for most people in going into prayer. The thing that compels us is need. Now, that's not a bad thing. I think there's absolute time and a place for that. But I don't know in our daily habit of prayer if it's the best place to start. I think the best place to start is here. Our Father in heaven. Uh, These words are our Father. um, Man, it... It starts by teaching us who he is. I, there's kind of two different general attitudes that you're, you're likely to have. One of, you're likely to have one of these attitudes towards uh, God in prayer. Uh, your attitude might be, um, you know, uh, what's up, God? It's me, Ted, you know, but you knew that. You know, just seeing how it's hanging. Like you could be like kind of like God's your buddy kind of like prayer, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I've seen that happen before. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, uh, it, it, it just makes God, uh, I don't know, like uh, someone you just go to when you just feel like it, right? You, you possibly have another attitude of prayer that, that kind of that I have to fight against, which is uh, he's not your buddy, but he's your boss, right? Like, which is like, hey, uh, so sorry to bother you again, but uh, yeah, I, I did it again. Um, I so sorry, uh, and it's just this constant fear that I live under of the reprisal for how I've lived and what I've done. I know it's been a long time since I've been here. What are the consequences going to be? Just laid out for me, right? Like this idea that he's just going to punish me, and and, and so that, that's the the thing that I have to fight in my heart is that he's not he's not your buddy, he's not your boss. And so I love the image of him as father because there is this authority of a father, but there's also an intimacy and a loving relationship. Right? So he starts off right from the bat showing us who God is. He is authoritative. Uh, uh, he is the, he's authoritative in the sense, but also just close, but he's authoritative in the sense that well, he's, he's the father of all humanity because he created us, right? But there's also our father because of who we are in Christ, right? It's two different things. And so we get to start out with this approaching him and this our father, which tells us a thing, uh, the infinite power power of the creator, the king, the supreme authority is gentled when we understand him as father. It is gentled towards his children. Uh, uh, There's this great line, this great line uh, pastor said, uh, who would dare wake the king in the middle of the night to ask for a glass of water? Only a child. Right? That's the type of relationship that we're talking about when we go to him and say, our father, 
He is authoritative. Yes, he teaches us. And yes, he is powerful. But there is an intimate relationship for those who are his children. And the way that he becomes our father uh, is through the grace of adoption. And I think about that, like, how do we get to a place where we can call him our father? And Romans 8 uh, says this, Paul writing says this, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The status as sons and daughters, as children of God, is not something that we earn. It is a gift by being associated with Jesus, by being tied to Jesus, by Jesus being our Lord and Savior. We get the status of children. Uh, in this time when Jesus is speaking, uh, adoption wasn't the same thing as it was today. Uh, a lot of times, most often, I, I've been told and read that uh, adoption was if someone was wealthy and did not have any heir of their own, they would adopt someone. They would adopt, at that time, a son, adopt a child, and that, would, that person would become their heir, would get all that they had worked for. Did that child, did that heir earn any of that wealth? No, but it was theirs. That's what we're talking about. We, by adoption, get all that was earned for us by another. So when we come to God and we pray, our Father, and we remember the grace of adoption, that is the power to change you. So much of what we do, so much of the life that we live, so much of the things that we encounter on a daily daily basis push us towards worry and concern and comparison. And when we pray our Father and recognize that we've been adopted by grace, a gift that we did not deserve, this begins to work in our life, as we, in our heart, as we drive this truth, as we go to God in prayer and work this out in front of him, in his presence, you are my Father, I am grateful for the adoption that I have. We begin to live out of gratitude, right? Gratitude is a powerful, powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. It pushes out darkness. Comparison kills joy, and gratitude restores it. So when we go to God in prayer, calling him, recognizing him father by adoption, the grace of adoption, man, that is a powerful thing that we work out in our hearts. It changes us and teaches us to live with gratitude. It also shows us uh, this who we are, right? Um, the first time that this occurs, the idea of God as Father, the first time it occurs in the Bible is way back in Exodus. Moses goes to Pharaoh, right? And the people of God, that is the, the Israelites, they're, they're slaves in Egypt at this time. And God sends Moses to Pharaoh and he says, uh, say this. Do we have that by any chance? Do I have that? Uh, yeah, I do. Great. Pharaoh, you should tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn. The idea of God as father first shows up here, so, uh, talking about uh, Israel being his son, Israel being his 
firstborn, this nation that he created and built, the descendants of this man named Abraham. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, you have to let my sons go. This is a, it's a revolutionary prayer. It's a revolutionary statement. Uh, at the t- 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 here's what God is saying. Hey, Pharaoh, uh, your slaves are supposed to be sons. Those slaves, they're not slaves. They're my sons. And you need to let them go so they can be sons. Jesus takes these words on himself. He's saying the same. When he tells us to pray this, he's telling us to take this reality on ourselves. Hey, so many things that we live enslaved to. I don't know if you felt that, but the pressure when you say, say, ah, we live in a free country. Yes, we do. By God's grace, we live in a free country. It's amazing. But do you always feel free or do you feel like you're just trying to hold everything together and all these forces are just pressing you on you constantly? So much of our life, so much of the world just pushes and pushes and pushes on us. Or you know what? I think better, maybe the exact opposite image is better. Pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls on us till we feel like we're going to come apart. We feel like we are slaves to not just to what we have to live up to, not just to the dreams that we have, not just to the demands that others place on us, but man, I mean, you ever felt a slave to what other people have said about you? You ever feel like the thing that you did in your past is the most important thing about you and now that controls how you live and act? Have you ever lived feeling like death and sickness is always just right around the corner, but if you can just hold on tight enough, then maybe everything will be okay? There's no way to live. There's no way to live as slaves of sin and death. And Jesus, when he says, call him father, recalling this moment, he says, listen, you are no longer through me slaves to sin and death, but you're sons of God. So when we pray our Father, it is this revolutionary prayer that we are not slaves. We do not have to be controlled by the things that we did, by the things that are done to us. That in Christ there is forgiveness. And not everybody has had the great benefit, the great beauty of having a good earthly father. What's crazy to me is that we all seem to know what one should be. Right, We know what they should be. And so we get this great gift of this father by being adopted who cares for us and provides for us and loves us and we become his heirs. And as we are his children, we no longer become slaves to the things that we once were slaves to, but we become free. Now, this is not like uh, some free to live however you want to and pursue your dream kind of thing, right? Like, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to wash my hands of all my responsibilities and, 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 and go on. No, that's not what he's talking about. This is not a, uh, he's talking about overthrowing the powers uh, of this world, uh, not something that we're just going to run off and uh, live however we want. Uh, we're actually called to be children, which means that we have responsibilities, <laughs> As sons of the king, there are certain expectations. As daughters of the king, there are certain things that he's called us to do. Uh, being children of the king is different. Being, well, I mean, just, you know, status matters, right? Like, who, I had a professor talked about uh, one time, he said, man, which is worse? Uh, if you're walking down the sidewalk and a dog runs out and bites you on the leg, or a person runs out of their house and bites you on the leg, 
And I was like, what? what? He's like, the person. I'm like, How? I, what are you talking about? He goes, look, the dog bites you on the leg. What do you think? Like, oh my goodness, this person should control their dog. If a person runs out and bites you on the leg, what do you think? We got to call the authorities. Like, we, there's something wrong with this person. Like, a dog's supposed to behave that way. A person ought not. Same thing here. When we are called to sons, to be sons, we no longer live the way that we used to live. We are called to be sons and daughters, to be children of the king. And that is called to a more noble, a more glorious way to be. It's inviting the kingdom into our lives, into our thinking. To be called a child of the king is to take up his cause of salvation. Another thing about this that it teaches us as we pray this is dependence. Uh, in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus tells this story. Um, uh, actually, not a story. Uh, he, he's, he's, the disciples are debating about um, who's the greatest. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. Who, who in the Roman Empire, in the Roman world at this time, a child had uh, no authority. Uh, they had nothing. Uh, a child put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There's dependence. Uh, I have joked in the past, and by joking I mean I say a mean thing in a funny way. Uh, I, uh, uh, but I've said that uh, adults are, uh, what is an adult? An adult is someone who just gets up and handles what needs to be done today. Right? Like, that's an adult. Like, you just get up and you take care of it. Like, you just take care of life. Like, there are things that need to be done. And, and, and so there's that. That's true, right? In our responsibilities, there's a sense that that's true that as we grow up and mature, we learn and gain the skills to handle the things that life throws at us and have the ability to think about the future, what needs to be done today, based on what's coming. Yeah? That's what adults do. Children don't do that. But never confuse maturing in your responsibilities and handling worldly things with not needing to be dependent on God. The kingdom is upside down and backwards. The goal is not to become so mature that we don't need to handle God. It's to become more and more dependent on him. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? This child. This child who if you left him home by himself would not fare well because he needs an adult. And so what we need is this dependence. So much of our life, so much of the stress and anxiety that we experience in the modern world is because we are told that we have to figure out what you're going to do, where you're going to go, who you're going to be, what your purpose is. You go figure all that out on your own. Good luck. Is it any wonder we're so anxious? Not only that, hey man, here's all these tools and resources and all these amazing devices that will help you control everything in your life. And right below the surface of this promise of control, we know that we're barely hanging on. Is it any wonder we're constantly anxious? Because we're told we're supposed to be some kind of spiritual adults and we're not. We're children. At best. And we need the dependence. So when we come to God and say, our Father, when we pray, our Father, it is teaching us, reminding us every single day that my absolute life, my health, my spiritual health, my spiritual life is 100% dependent on the gift of God. And to live dependently through the day, that is so freeing.
To not have to manage and control, it's so freeing. When bad things happen, we lament and we're sad, but we don't feel like we had to hold on to them and keep them from happening. And we're able to live trusting a God who cares for us, who has all of this power and all this authority, and we begin to grow in our trust and love of him. And we, as we become more and more childlike, become more and more trusting, we get to live freer and freer and freer. Because we can't control all of these things that are happening in the world. We are children, always spiritually children. So as we grow and mature in worldly ways, we should at the same exact time becoming more and more childlike in every part of our life. Also, it's interesting that we don't pray my father, it's our father. Isn't that interesting? Uh, because when we come to Christ, he gives us a community, a new family. We become children, uh, sons and daughters of the king, and there are many of us. I wonder how, you know, what the crowd was like that Jesus is preaching to, um, how different they were. I mean, we know we had a zealot, Simon the Zealot. You had the tax collector. You had all these different people from this, this different background. But there, and you had Jesus is, is attracting Gentiles at this time. You had people in authority. And Jesus is saying, we all have one father. Pharisees, the rich young ruler, and prostitutes all encountered Jesus. We all have one father. All come to Jesus. One father. All different walks of life all over the world. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. It begins to affect how we think of how we live in this world. You are brought into a family. Your spiritual life and your spiritual health is not some one-on-one relationship with God. He places you in a community. The Christian life was never intended to be lived alone. Right at the beginning of the prayer, our destroys all notions that this is just me. We're in this together, whether you, want, whether you like it or not. And trust me, there's days you're not going to like it. <laughs> but we're in this together. We're in this together, pointing one another to these realities. And when we spend time in prayer and remind ourselves that not only is he my father, but he's your father, and your father, and your father, and your father, and your father, all across the world, all through time and space, United by faith in Jesus, given new life, adopted into new, new, new family, heirs. That affects how I interact with people. That person annoys me, but, but I know that they go to church and I know that they believe and I've seen evidence in their life, but they're just still bother me insanely. That is your brother or sister. It affects how we interact with one another. Not only that, it affects how you pray. Sometimes you go into prayer, you begin with our Father and, you re- and you re- you'll realize that I came here to ask God for these things, but you know what? I need to be praying some of these things for this person over here. It reminds us that we are responsible for praying for one another. Our Father in heaven, he gives us this community. In John 1, Jesus uh, says, uh, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Tell you what, being a part of this family will keep you from getting too high or too low. You know what I mean? Like thinking too much of yourself or too little uh, because you were a part of this family. 
Another thing that this really, really does, that the praying this way really, really does, I think um, just momentary praise, like crying out to God, calling out to God in a moment, I think those are absolutely part of our prayer life. But I think that if a, a daily rhythm, starting with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, starting in that order, working through those thoughts and that prayer, applying that into our hearts and minds, I think that just really, it'll really shift your priorities. When I come into prayer and say, God, here's the list of things that I need, right? That's usually my, my usually my move in prayer is, God, I'm here and I need more things. That's my move, right? Uh, and he, but what happens is, though, is that if you go in first and go, hey, God, um, uh, our Father, you know, my bad, uh, in heaven, um, and then I begin to work through who he is and what he means and, 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 and what he has done, and I begin to work through that, these things in my heart that I came to ask, they begin, they don't necessarily go away. The needs don't necessarily change. The prayers don't necessarily change. They just find their proper place in my heart and life. This thing that was everything, as I come to my father and go, you know what, my bad, I forgot you were father. I forgot that you were infinite in power and might and majesty and that you love me. And I, I can't see how this is good, but I came to ask you to take it away. And I still want you to take it away. But I also realize that you're my father and you love me. So if you don't take this thing away, teach me to love. Teach me patience. Show me what you want me to know. The prayers and the requests don't necessarily change, but the priority in our heart changes when we first adore God for who he is and then move on to the things that he's asked us for, the the things that we need to ask for, because those things are still there. Jesus does not think that they're not part of life. The Lord's prayer is designed to help us make this change, a change of priority, not a change of content. So, um, how to pray then? Uh, don't, first of all, if you're, don't, don't wait till the end of this, this section to like, well, I'll start praying when Chris finishes the Lord's Prayer. No, you can start right now. Like, you can start right now. You, just do it. you don't have to wait for me to finish. Uh, you do, you just, this week, you could just start tomorrow. And so here's, uh, some things. Uh, one thing that you could do is, uh, you could just memorize it if you haven't memorized it yet. Um, during, uh, COVID, you know, you're supposed to wash your hands for 20 seconds. You know what I'm talking about? My watch would like, get like, so, like, kind of offended if I didn't wash my hand. Like, I would be like, almost there. And I'm like, calm down. Like, I'm going to get to 20 seconds. And be like, you know, and it's like, way to go, Chris. You wash your hands enough. And I'm like, it's a weird thing to feel proud of. You know how long it takes to say the Lord's Prayer at a pretty slow pace? About 20 seconds. So every time I wash my hands, I just decide it. And you're like, well, that's just, you, nah, you know what? Yeah, maybe it is just me saying the words, but guess what? It gets into my head and my brain and it changes the way I'm thinking. Every time I go to wash my hands, yeah, I, I, don't go, I don't go to wash my hands with nothing on my mind. Like there's all these things and I stop and I pray in this moment. And it's just, I'm not saying that this is going to make you holier. I'm just telling you a thing that's helped me. So, you know, maybe start there. Maybe memorize this prayer and every time you wash your hands, just say it during the day. Uh, another thing that you could do is you could take each phrase and, and make that each petition and make it a phrase for you for the day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You should like, I don't even know what it is to, for you to be hallowed, God. Chris will get there one day, I'm assuming. Uh, and, and, and just begin to work through like, hey, it's, I want your name to be holy. I want it to be holy in my life. I want it to be holy in, 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 in the world. I, I hope people look at me and recognize how much I love you. And you just begin there. Or uh, use Luther's method where he would work through the prayer as time would allow. Starting with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he would just stop and work through, like I worked through this morning, what it means that he's Father. God, this is a revolutionary prayer. I feel so beat down 
and beat up and pulled apart. But you have not called by my sins and by my shortcomings. But that's not the most important thing about me is that I am an adopted child of yours. And when I'm not feeling grateful to go to God in prayer and be reminded that I am an adopted child and what a grace that is. That in Jesus I have life that changes me. To work through what's going on in my life through this lens and this filter. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. To move us to a place to see how beautiful Jesus is. And that by faith in him, we have this eternal life, this eternal way of living that begins now. So start now. You need prayer. It is the thing that you were missing for change, for power, for joy. That is the thing that you are missing, is being alone, shutting the door, and working through the thing in your heart and in your mind in God's presence. And here's the thing that I can almost assure you of, that I can assure you of. It's probably not going to go great at first. I know that sounds disappointing, but we have to grow up in prayer. Like, I think a lot of times we get discouraged in prayer because we're like, I prayed, and then my day still was terrible. Or like, I prayed, and then like immediately, dude, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but like, uh, I, have you ever, I, I yelled at my kid one time because he interrupted a prayer. Like, that's just insane, right? Like, it's like, I, like, I don't think this is working at all. Uh, I was in the middle of prayer. My kid interrupted, like, I'm praying. Uh, I don't think this is going great. You know, and so the idea that we're something to have, it's a thing that we grow up in and a thing that we mature in that over time God shapes us like any good habit, any good thing we want shaped in our life. We need good habits. There is something special about being able to go in the presence of God and pray. He teaches us and grows us in that space. I cannot encourage it enough. I, I, I have not yet once read a testimony of a saint who at the end of their life said, I wish I'd spent less time praying. But I've, met, I've, met, I've read the testimonies of many a pastor and many a saint who has said, I never realized how much prayer it would take. Start now. Start now. Jesus has told us how because it is important. Opening with our Father disarms so many of the things that keep us from prayer. Start there. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, your kingdom come. Here, even now, in our lives and in our hearts, your rule, your authority, where what you would have be done is actually done. That goes on in heaven, and we long for that to happen here, and we, we want that to happen here. Now, come and make it real. But even now, while we wait for the full inbreaking of the kingdom, may it start in my heart and my life to, to realize that we are sons and daughters of the king. Work in our hearts and our lives. Bind us to you and to each other as followers of Christ. And your kingdom work out. May it be worked out in in how we love one another, how we forgive one another, how we behave when we are wounded, how eager we are to forgive, how much grace we show, how much mercy we extend. Your kingdom come in this church, in my heart, in my life, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread as we come to the table. 
This is what we need even more than food. We have physical needs, yes, but also the spiritual need to be sustained by you, the body broken and the blood spilled, that we may have life. It is through that gift of adoption in Jesus' sacrifice that we can have life and be call, and call you Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.